What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode 34 of Locked on Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. We've reached the end of another week here in self-isolation. Just continuing to try to move forward. You know, this is uh, unlike anything we've ever seen. And I hope, at least somewhat, that the content I churn out has been able to give people a nice little escape from very strange and frustrating times. And I hope I'll be able to uh, provide you with an escape today as we move into the top 10 of my list of top 25 best baseball games of the last decade. And it comes to us from October 30th, 2019. It's the most recent game on this list and the last baseball game worth anything that was played. And it was Game 7 of the 2019 World Series between the Washington Nationals and the Houston Astros. This was such a great series. Obviously, even through six games, one of the strangest series you're going to see, the home team had been yet to win a game. And coming into this game, I, I believed in the Astros. I felt like they, from day one, I thought they were the team to beat. There was not a single moment throughout the season in which I didn't feel that way. But I did feel like coming into this game seven, I wasn't as confident in Houston as I had been throughout the entire year. Because, and in comparison that I make from another sport is how the Warriors looked in the 2016 playoffs. Golden State Warriors, obviously 2016, they, they won 79 games in the regular season, breaking the Bulls' uh, record. They got to the postseason, and despite the fact they were winning games and they were winning series, something about them just never quite looked right. They just weren't firing on all cylinders the way that we were used to seeing them fire. And it was the same way with this Astros team. They won the ALDS in five games against the Rays, a Rays team that they were far better than. And that was a very good Tampa Bay Rays team, but that should not have been a five-game series. It was. Beat the Yankees in six. Had an unbelievable moment in game six of that series. Altuve hitting that walk-off home run. We'll be talking about that game later on this list. In this World Series, they lost the first two games at home. They won three back in Washington and were starting to look more like the baseball team that we'd seen all year. Game 6, Verlander wasn't very good. And you come into Game 7, and you had a a pitching matchup for the ages. I mean, the first time in baseball history that Game 7 of the World Series featured two pitchers who had both won the Cy Young in the past. Max Scherzer, who pitched Game 1, got the win, was injured. He had a back injury, wasn't able to pitch in Game 5. Joe Ross had to fill in and kind of got bombed. And Scherzer recovered kind of miraculously from that injury, got a cortisone shot, and seemed to feel better for Game 7. And the Astros had Zach Greinke on the mound for them. And the Astros got Zach Greinke. Frankie at the deadline first starts like this. And while he'd struggled a bit in the postseason up to this point, I just I had a weird feeling coming into this game he was going to pitch well. I, I felt like he was due for a really good start, and I felt like we were going to be in for a really good game seven. I had so much respect for both of these baseball teams, and it really I, I was because of my Twitter following, so many of them being Houston people, I, I was internally kind of rooting for Houston. But it wouldn't have bothered me at all if the Nationals would have won this game and if the Nationals obviously would have won this series. But early on, it seemed like it was going to be Houston's game. Max Scherzer is one of the baddest dudes on the planet. Love watching him pitch. One of the greatest pitchers I've ever seen. Did not have his best stuff on this evening. And it's one of the the biggest reasons to me 
why the Astros didn't win this game. I'll talk about it in a second. But Max was pitching in high leverage situations all night. Runners on base, walking guys. He walked four in five innings. That is unheard of in a Max Scherzer start. Only struck out three. The scoring got opened up in the second inning. Yuli Gurriel hit a fly ball to left field for a home run, making it one nothing. But then that was followed up with a Jordan Alvarez single, a Carlos Correa single, moving Alvarez to second. And you're starting to think maybe this is when the Astros' offense fully breaks out. They've had moments in the postseason, but they hadn't had that big ten run burst that we'd seen from them all season. But Max dug deep. You get a foul, uh, a bunt that was popped foul that was caught behind home plate, and then a ground out to first by Josh Reddick. George Springer would line out to left, ending the threat, and that was kind of the story of this game, of this series, and really almost the entire postseason for the Astros. This Astros offense was as good as any I've ever seen. So talented, top to bottom, there was not an easy out in that entire freaking lineup. But I have never seen a baseball team, really starting in the in the ALCS, have so many innings in which they get so many guys on base and are unable to score. Every single frame they were leaving guys on base, and if they were they were one hit away every inning from blowing this game wide open, and they just never did. And Max kept finding ways to get out of trouble, finding ways to get out of trouble. The the Astros leave leave two guys on. In the third inning, they leave two guys on. In the fourth inning, in the fifth, Carlos Correa would single to left for an RBI to score Yuli Gurriel, making it 2 nothing. And there were a lot of people who thought that that might hold up because Zach Greinke was otherworldly on this night. Zach Greinke is, I think, for a guy who's been a perennial all-star and a Cy Young winner, to me, borders on underrated. He is going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. He's one of the best fielding pitchers of all time. Gives you a ton of innings. And this was looking like it was going to be one of his crowning achievements. He was simply remarkable on this evening. Zach Greinke was unhittable, essentially, for the first five, six innings. He was sensational. And as much as he was rolling, it was only 2 nothing. And I remember tweeting, this is still anyone's game. And as much as there was controversial decisions made managerially in this game, I'm going to talk about them in a second, this game was lost for the Houston Astros when they didn't blow this thing open early on. To me, one of the cardinal rules of baseball, one one of the, the things that I have kind of hypothesized in my head that I believe is absolutely true is if you do not get to a pitcher early, if you do not put a team away early, especially a great team, especially a World Series caliber team like the Washington Nationals, it will at some point come back around to bite you. And it did. And we're going to talk about that next. We're back. So we get to the top of the seventh. Like we said, Grinky's rolling six shutout innings thus far. Adam Eaton grounds out to start the top of the seventh. Anthony Rendon on a 1-0 pitch would put the Nationals on the board. He would hit a solo home run to left field. Anthony Rendon, just another big moment in the postseason for him. And throughout that entire season, he was just money. So much fun watching him play. So it's 2-1. to Houston fans, you get all of a sudden, Minute Maid Park, a little bit uneasy. Juan Soto would then walk, and then A.J. Hinch would make the decision to take Zach Greinke out of the ballgame, ending his night. Six and a third, two hits, would end up giving up two earned runs, two walks, and three strikeouts, only 80 pitches. He was remarkable. This was a very controversial decision. I, I, I would have probably stuck with him at least one more batter. I understand why they didn't. 
I think, let's say, Granky would have given up a home run in his next at-bat, I don't think there would have been a ton of people clamoring that A.J. Hinch made the wrong decision by sticking with him. Uh, but he elected to take him out, and he went with Will Harris. And Will Harris is a very good reliever and was very good for this uh, Astros team in the postseason. And on the previous night, he gave up a home run to Anthony Rendon, kind of putting that ball game away. But he comes into the game now with Howie Kendrick at the plate. Howie Kendrick revived his career in 2019, ended up winning NLCS MVP. And on a 1-0 pitch, Quite simply, he would have the biggest moment of his entire life. Soto at first after the homer by Rendon. Kendrick into the opposite corner. That one well hit. Springer looks up, and it's gone! Howie Kendrick has delivered the Nationals a one-run lead! This moment, which would turn out to be the biggest hit in the history of the Washington Nationals was not a moment that was really anybody's fault. Will Harris threw a pretty good pitch. It was the pitch the catcher wanted. It was a cutter on the outer part of the plate. If you're going to make Howie Kendrick beat you, make him beat you by going opposite field. And he hit a home run off of the opposite field foul pole. It was an incredible moment. A stunned silence went over Minute Maid Park, which had just been rocking all night. I think they they were pretty confident with this lead. The way Granky was rolling, this thing felt like it was much bigger than a 2-0 lead for most of the night. And with a home run, a walk, and a home run, with three batters, this thing went from 2-0 to 3-2 Nationals. But it was still there was still anybody's ballgame. It was still anybody's game. Roberto Ozuna would come in, uh, get the last couple outs, in the top of the seventh inning. So it was 3-2. And after Scherzer went five innings, Scherzer went five innings tonight, gave up seven hits, four walks. You would think with seven hits and four walks, that would be a four-five run outing. Only two runs, did strike out three. Davey Martinez went to Patrick Corbin. This was something that they'd been doing all postseason, using starters as relievers starting in the National League wildcard game when Strasburg came out of the pen and got the win in three scoreless innings. And Patrick Corbin, who'd struggled in the postseason, came out of the pen on this evening, and he was phenomenal. I I mean, whatever Patrick Corbin does for the rest of his tenure in Washington will essentially be meaningless. He will be a hero there forever. Comes out of the pen against one of the best lineups of all time, throws three scoreless innings, kept them in the game, and ended up being the winning pitcher in this game. And in the eighth and ninth innings, the Nationals would 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 continue to pour it on. Juan Soto would hit an RBI single to right in the top of the eighth, scoring Adam Eaton. And then the the ultimate backbreaker in the top of the ninth, Adam Eaton, who was awesome in this series, by the way. I was always very skeptical of that trade when the Nationals traded Ronaldo Lopez and Lucas Giolito to the White Sox for Adam Eaton. Uh, but it's ultimately turned out to be a massive success because Adam Eaton in the World Series was one of the best players in this series. I think it goes overlooked because of how good guys like Strasburg and Soto and Rendon were. Adam Eaton was incredible in his own right. He hit a two-RBI single with the bases loaded to make it 6-2. to two. And in a three-inning span, the Nationals, who couldn't hit a thing all night, they couldn't touch Zach Greinke, score six runs in three innings and you're looking around thinking, this is actually going to happen. 
a lot of people were pointing fingers at A.J. Hinch, and I understand why. I feel like he probably should have stuck with Granky longer than he did. And I am, I'm still stunned that he never used Garrett Cole at any point in this ballgame. I mean, he used Jose Urquidy, he used Joe Smith, he used Roberto Ozuna, and he used Will Harris. I understand Cole struggled a bit in Game 1, and maybe he was a bit tired after pitching in Game 5, but you need to have your best available pitchers on the mound in Game 7. And I think it's a big reason why the Nationals won this game. They knew that. Scherzer, Corbin, and uh, Daniel Hudson pitched in this game for them. Two absolute stud starters and probably your best reliever. Meanwhile, the Astros were were playing musical chairs with their relievers when, it, in my opinion, it was as simple as going with a pitcher who for the last three months of the season was the best pitcher in baseball. I think a massive mistake by A.J. Hinch. I know Garrett Cole was extremely upset. Not going with him and pulling Grinky when they did changed the legacies of two different baseball teams. But none of that mattered to Nationals fans. They were now three outs away from history. That We are going to have an entire World Series, a seven-game World Series, in which the home team doesn't win a single game. And this Astros team, which all year had been the best team in baseball, all year had just bullied people, was being forced to bend the knee. The Nationals were about to do the impossible. They were massive underdogs in this series. But Daniel Hudson would come in in the bottom of the ninth after getting two quick outs. Michael Brantley would work the count full. And this was how it all ended. Hudson sets. The kick in. Here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. Remember where you are. So you remember where you are right now at 11.50 Eastern Time. Remember where you are on October 30th, 2019, when the Washington Nationals finished the fight from the depths of a forgettable 19-31 start. They have climbed to the top of baseball's highest peak, giving us all a finish to a season we will remember for the rest of our lives. The Nationals celebrate just behind the pitcher's mound. A world championship, Curly W is in the books. The Nationals down to nothing, six unanswered runs. They beat the Astros six to two. They are the world champions of baseball. Unbelievable. Great call there on the Nationals radio network by Charlie Slawis. An incredible series, an incredible game. A 6-2 was the final score. That was not indicative of how close and how competitive and how great this ball game really was. I do want to talk about some, I guess, misconceptions or, or just takeaways from this game and from this series. One is, and I remember a lot of people saying, oh, the Nationals, they just won the World Series with a team of veterans. Who says that you need young prospects to be able to win you a World Series? This was the oldest team in baseball, and they won it all. Factually, yes, oldest team in baseball won it all. But the idea that this team did not build a core through their farm system is is wrong. Juan Soto, Steven Strasburg, Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner— key pieces of this World Series team all came up through the farm system. So that's one. The other one, and this is kind of the controversial one, I know that there is no evidence to support 
the fact that the Astros cheated in any other season other than 2017. I know that. I understand that. Though court of public opinion is very much in favor of the fact they did, but court of public opinion is sometimes wrong. With that said, it is a blessing for Major League Baseball that the Nationals won this series. And I know that there will probably be Houston people who listen to this and and don't want to hear that, and that's fine, but it would have been an even bigger nightmare this offseason if we would have had to deal with a cheating scandal from the current World Series champion. I think the Washington Nationals saved Major League Baseball from an even bigger headache than they already had. So in a way, in hindsight, I, I am I am grateful that the Nationals were able to pull this thing off and win a classic World Series. A very fun team to watch, a very likable team, and uh, they were champions on this night, and they deserve to be. A very emotional victory for them. There was a great moment with Max Scherzer and Anibal Sanchez, two former Tigers, after this game, just finally basking in the glow of their first World Series title. A lot of guys on this team were winning their first title, and it made this uh, that much more special. A fun team to watch, and a great, great game. So that will do it for this episode and this week's worth of episodes here on Locked On Tigers. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2-0. One four. You can follow this show on Twitter at Locked On Tigers. If you have any questions or just want to say hi, you can email this show, LockedOnTigers at gmail.com. And if you're feeling nice well in self-isolation, go to Apple Podcasts and leave a positive review of this show as well. It would be much appreciated. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be right back here next week continuing this list. Have a great rest of your day and go Tigers.